Hotty toddy, Rebel Nation. This is Yancey Porter here with Red and Blue Chips for the first show of the 2020 season. What a big win we saw Ole Miss put up Saturday over Kentucky. Some would say a little luck with the Kentucky missed extra point. I say a little justice after we've seen Ole Miss uh, miss an extra point, haven't we see it? So, you know, I think uh, right now I-, I like the direction of where this football program is her- headed. I like, uh, I like what I'm seeing out of uh, Coach Kiffin's offense. I like using the middle of the field again. We all know that Ole Miss was uh, kind of leaving anything between the hashes out of the playbook uh, last year. So it's nice seeing Ole Miss is using some crossing routes, some, some long, deep uh, posting patterns uh, down the middle of the field, some slip tight end, as we saw in that beautiful touchdown by Kenny against Florida. Um, defensively, you know, I think uh, we all know that Ole Miss has missed in the last three recruiting cycles on the defensive side of the ball, on the defensive line particularly. And it's showing its ugly head. It's um, you know the old saying goes, you can you can kind of get away with one recruiting class having to slip up. Yeah, back to back, it will show in a couple years. And then if you go three classes in a row like Ole Miss has had, I mean they only signed when you take Demond Clowney as playing the buck. They only signed one defensive lineman last year in the class, and they were aiming to sign five or six. So it is what it is. They're going to have to address that in this recruiting class. We saw today DeMarcus Smith decommitted from Ole Miss out of Birmingham. I think Ole Miss is going to add another one very shortly. Keep your ears open um, for a defensive line commitment to come out this week. It was supposed to actually happen on Friday, but um, I suspect it will come out uh, maybe before you even hear this podcast. We'll see. So, they got J.J. Hawkins committed. They got Jamon Gordon committed. Uh, Jamon's a big-time uh, defensive lineman out of East Mississippi Community College and played at Meridian. You know, he'll be a guy that Ole Miss will actually get three years out of uh, because East Mississippi Community College decided to not play football this fall. And, uh, you know, that's going to give him an extra year of eligibility. Um, so he'll have three for three, a guy that – can definitely push the interior of the offensive line, get some penetration like we saw, particularly with Benito last season, and, you know, kind of help things out. Jalen Williams, another guy out of Jones Community College. I feel really good about where Ole Miss sits right here at this present time. And then he's the number one junior college defensive tackle in the country, and I imagine that Jamon Gordon will be named either the second or third uh, rated junior college defensive lineman in the country. So they're going to address some needs there. They're going to have a couple more. We all know about Tyrone uh, Williams, excuse me, Malone out of uh, New Jersey. He's a two-sport star. Baseball, football, took a visit back in February. Uh, you know, and whittled it down to six, really. The main players are going to be Ole Miss at A&M with Tennessee lurking in the shadows. But A&M has a defensive line coach there. That is, uh, you know, Elijah Robinson is his name. He played at Penn State, was a first-round NFL pick from the Northeast, has a lot of pull out there, a lot of respect. So they're going to be, a prospect, uh, uh, you know, a big-time uh, choice for any prospect out there in the Northeast where Coach Chris 
Partridge is really spending a lot of time trying to use his connections from the Northeast as well. You know, Tyrone is uh, rated the number five defensive tackle in the country. He's a top 50 national prospect, kind of the Robert Kimdichie of this class. So, you know, I think right now um, baseball is actually his first love. And he got a good weekend. He was spending with Bianco and company back in February before the pandemic hit. And A&M's got a great baseball program too. So, again, that kind of matches the flavor with both schools where I think things are going to be headed in the future. But Ole Miss's plan is to get Devin Lee on the boat along with J.J. Hawkins, who's already in the boat. Uh, try to get Demarcus Smith back in the boat along with Jamon Gordon, who's also in the boat, and then close it out with Jalen Williams and uh, obviously Tyrone Malone. So that's kind of where we are headed right now on the defensive line. Um, you know, there's areas that need to be addressed, uh, the, the safety particularly. Uh, I think they're doing a good job there with uh, Dink Jackson and Tashim Johnson, who were their top two star prospects. Uh, that's going to be that nickelback, what they call it a star now. It used to be called a Husky, um, you know, back under Womack. But they got their top two prospects, so that says it all. Cornerback, they got three really good players in, in Kendrick Breedlove, DeMarco Williams, and Trey Washington. So they're doing well on the defensive back. Really, I think the future in that season particularly lies within that defensive line. I think uh, linebacker, they're really, really high on the kids uh, that they signed last year, um, Brown. Yeah, particular, Jacavion is, uh, you know, just a freak athlete that Ole Miss was able to finally sign out of, uh, you know, the Horn Lake area last year. And um, he's having a big-time camp. And I know they love DeMond Clowney. He's had uh, – whether he had COVID or he was exposed to it, he's just now coming back from that. But they're really high on him. Uh, they're really high on um, – on Austin Keys, uh, who they call Otis from last year's class as well. Um, you know, there's they feel like that that class uh, of linebackers in the 2020 class was probably where they did the best out of all the positions in last year's class. So I think the, the linebackers in good, good hands for the future. I also think that maybe a couple of these linebackers uh, – Maybe even uh, Henry, you know, maybe he returns. Momo, I don't think he's progressed to the point where he could go pro after this year. So, you know, maybe those guys are back next year. I would think that Momo would be a very, very good likelihood. Now, Lakia Henry, this is a situation where you don't know what his other needs are uh, with Personal family maybe feels like even going in a lower round is better than nothing. I don't know. But it wouldn't surprise me if you saw all those linebackers back next year. Um, so I don't think really linebacker is a huge priority for this class, but they will sign one or two. And speaking of, we've got a great guest uh, today that would – nobody would be more informed on what's going on. I'll say that. His name is Alex Collins. He's the Associate Director for On-Campus Recruiting. He heads up uh, a lot of stuff for the Ole Miss recruiting efforts uh, here under Lane Kiffin. Came from FAU with him. How are you, Alex? 
I'm doing great today. How are you doing today? Doing great, my man. Uh, just kind of all the listeners out there, give us a, a you know, your history. You, you came from FAU. How'd you start in the business and, and all that good stuff? Yeah, well, you know, it's kind of been, you know, like a lot of people in this industry, it's been a, a crazy all over the place story for me. So, uh, you know, luckily I, it starts back with me actually being a, a student at uh, University of Southern California and actually getting my first opportunity to work with, with Coach Kiffin. So was a, a student worker there for a couple years with him and and then, you know, he, he moved on and I, I stayed there and finished up school and, you know, was able to work for Coach Sarkeesian for a couple of years. And, and Coach Helton is the one that gave me my first full-time opportunity after I graduated and, and stayed there for a couple of years. And then I uh, moved up to spend a, a quick season at uh, the University of Nevada up in Reno in the Mountain West there, uh, running their recruiting department. And then um, January 2019, you know, got the opportunity to work with Coach Kiffin again at FAU, uh, running their recruiting department and and really couldn't pass it up, you know, having been around coach and, and, you know, hearing from people that have been with him since we had, since his time at USC, it was just, I mean, he's someone that you really want to work for and you want to be around because, because you, you've seen the success he's had. So really couldn't pass that opportunity up and, you know, had an amazing year last year at FAU and then, you know, ended up here in December. So kind of been all over the place, hit all the, hit the West coast, hit the East coast. Now I'm, here in Mississippi, so it's it's kind of been a whirlwind for me, but really really liking it. Alex coming, you know, in the West Coast, and then went to the East Coast and down in Florida, and a little bit all around, going to the SEC and recruiting. I know you probably heard about recruiting stories of the SEC and how intense it is. Has it lived up to the billing? It it has, and you know, and I think it's it's just you know the attention to detail and it's it's the passion you know, from, from your recruits to your, your coaches and the fans. I mean, it's just, I mean, I know people always kind of tease the SEC for the just means more slogan that they like to use, but you know, it's true. It, it, it it's so important to people down here and, you know, you're, you'll be walking down the street in Oxford and, you know, someone's going to pull you and ask you, Hey, how are we doing with so-and-so? Or, Hey, you think, you know, this kid's going to commit here. So, you know, it's, it's <laughs> definitely been interesting down here and, and a lot of fun, but, you know, I think it just makes it that much more special for us getting to work here when, when knowing the fan base and the students and, and how many people just, you know, love it and eat it and breathe it. Alex, uh, how has the reception been at Ole Miss with the recruits? Uh, obviously, we can't talk about any recruits specifically. That's against NCAA rules. But just in general, just recruits in general, how's the reception been to the staff? It's been phenomenal. It's been impressive to to talk to recruits and their parents and really listen to to what they have to say. I mean, you know, the nice thing is 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 coming in with you know Coach Kiffin. I mean, he's such a big name and has such a following from everyone that that there's always you know, especially with offensive kids, there's always this just initial interest in us just off of his name and his reputation alone. So you know, having him here and works really well. But then you look at you know you break it down to our coordinators and you look at, you know, what coach Levy was doing at UCF and what he's been able to do with his offenses. And even on defense with coach Durkin and coach Partridge, I mean, those are two big time defensive coaches that have been, you know, part of some really successful defenses. So I think, and then you even get down to the assistant coaches too, you know, I'm not going to go through all of them, but I think, you know, we got a really good track record with our coaches. I think their, their production speaks for themselves and, you know, I think it's been really, really good for us to, 
know, be talking to kids and being able to have that track record to kind of sell what each one of our coaches brings to the table. Alex, everybody says, you know, it's about the Jimmys and the Joes and not the X's and O's. And they say you got to win games to get the recruits. But Ole Miss is coming off of back-to-back-to-back losing seasons, which has not happened in quite some time. So how do you get the Jimmys and Joes uh, when, you know, when you're coming off of the three losing records in a row? How do you sell that to come be a part of that? I mean, I just think it starts from the top of, you know, our head coach and our and our coordinators and everyone here just really having a, a singular vision for what what we want to do with this program. And it, it, it's our job to, to make kids believe in what we're planning to do here. You know, I think coaches said, you know, from the get go and, you know, we said with recruits like, you know, we have big plans for this program. You know, we have, we have plans to do special stuff. You know, we have the, you know, and that's just our job is to is to really sell the kids like, you know, and it's not just us. It's anytime you're a first year coach at a school. I mean, there is no there is no track record for for us here. You know, when we first get here, it's all about just being able to talk to kids and, and sell them on the vision of what we're going to do here and in the plans we have to, to to win a lot of ball games here. So carrying along along those lines, how important is it to get W's on Saturday? Is that the integral part or is it? showing progression on the field. I heard a lot of recruits tell me that Ole Miss fought all the way through the game, how impressed they were with that. I had some offensive players obviously tell me they were excited about uh, the play calling, the offense in general, schematically, the way they got in a lot of playmakers' hands. Some defensive players told me, you know, that they think that Ole Miss is getting closer and that they're just a few players away and they could be a missing link. So how do you put that all together? I mean, I I think the important thing for us is, is at the end of the day, yeah, moral victories are great, but we can't live on moral victories, you know? Like like Coach said after the game, it's it's about winning and losing at the end of the day. So it's it's great for us to to have guys that have good games. It's great when one side of the ball plays well, but at the end of the day, we, we came here to win. And, and for recruiting, we really have to sell the fact that, that we're winning. Um, so at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is, is we're trying to win games, and, you know, we're not trying to – go and tell kids about moral victories. I mean, we got to, you know, put something on pen and paper and, and, and win some ball games here. And that's hopefully we can get that going here and, and turn that into something that recruits want to be a part of. Hugh Freeze entered Ole Miss and they came off of two really bad seasons in a row and was able to get to that six and six mark, go seven wins and then parlayed that into a top five national class and then won eight, nine, ten going to the Sugar Bowl after that, just kind of took it one step each season. Is that bowl barometer something that the staff feels like is, is integral to get that banner class? Um, you know, I think I think as we're here longer and as we start to have the success that, that we're going to have, but it will make recruiting easier. You know, I think once you have something, like I talked about, once it's solidified and once it's tangible it's not just us promising kids that we're going to win games but us showing them that we're going to win games you know it will keep getting easier um so i mean never easier it never truly gets you know easy in this conference but <laughs> it, it, it's i think it always means a little less more difficult to, yeah it always means a little more to kids when you're showing them that you're going to be successful versus telling them you're going to be successful so you know luckily for us i think we came into a, a pretty good team and you know, credit to the staff that was here before, you know, because that's the new thing with this early signing period. I mean, 
we had, you know, a week and a half to, to recruit once we got here, which, you know, a lot of times you're, you're kind of left with, you know, what was left from the old staff and in credit to them. And, you know, I think they, they left us some pretty good players in this first class that we got here. And obviously we went out and added some more ourselves. And so it's just, you know, using that to help springboard and keep it going, I think will be really important for us. Obviously, the players bought in. You know, that's always a big word for new staffs, new coaches is buy-in. You know, they, there's a goal, you know, at the beginning, 60%, 70%. You want to kind of get the chips uh, farther along each season you go. The bought-in factor seems to be pretty well with this staff as Ole Miss uh, did not have a, a flood of players leaving the program when you came in. What, what does that say to, to you and your staff? I mean, I think it's important anytime you're you're a new coach and at a new program is 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 you want the players to buy in and the players have been exceptional since we got here and you know I give a lot of credit to to Wilson Love and his strength staff because I mean I know if you've spent more than twenty seconds around Wilson Love you know the energy and the passion he brings and and I and I don't think you can really be in a bad mood or or not be bought in and stick around with with someone like him around all the time so I think having those guys here has been crucial for us I think. You know, the players have bought in and, you know, we, we didn't get to do a whole spring with them because of COVID and everything. But, you know, the, the little bit that we did get to do, you, you can see you can see the desires there with the players here. I mean, they want to be coached hard. They want to be pushed hard by us. And I think they're kind of shown that they're willing to do what what we have planned to do here. So you jump into Ole Miss, you get there, like you said, you you have a week or week and a half. Now that you have an early signing period, that changes the whole dynamics where staffs used to come in in early, mid-December, new staffs, and then they would have to February to recruit. You only get a week, week and a half. As we know, 80%, 90% of the recruits, especially the Power 5 caliber guys, are going to go early in their early signing period. So you kind of got to wash your hands on that. Luckily, as you said, you know, Luke and them left you some good recruits and then you get into the spring, you're ready to go jump out there and start evaluating your own players. So you can evaluate what you need in the next class. And then you start evaluating the players, uh, you know, at their spring games and bringing them in for visits and getting to know them on a personal level. And then boom, the pandemic hits and it shuts everything down and you don't know how long it's going to shut down. We're back in the mid-March. Let's take it back to that time frame. Your players are let off for spring break. And uh, then the pandemic hits, and it's really on a week, a week, maybe a day-to-day basis, how long this is going to last. Now we're still into October now, October. And I think, what do they stretch the visits? You can't visit through December. Is that correct, Alex? January 1st. January 1st, so through all the way through the early sign period, you don't get in any visits. I mean, I know the difficulties uh, that uh, that is presented for you and your staff. Just name me the top two or three difficulties that that's presented for you. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's hard because, you know, as much as you watch film to evaluate, and that's, you know, a critical part of the process, you know, you really want to get to know the personality of the kid, too. And, and, and is he a hard worker? Is he tough? Is he going to be a leader? You know, how much does he love football? And, and some of that stuff is just lost through Zoom calls and phone calls and texting versus, you know, getting a kid on campus, getting his family on campus. And, you know, and it's it's the same way from the kid's perspective, too. You know, you know, we, we've done a great job of making videos and different tours and things like that to send kids. But, 
I don't think it does justice, you know, versus getting a kid on a golf cart and driving them around our campus here. So I think part of the difficulty has just been, you know, really trying to get to know kids and you have kids be comfortable, you know, being the new staff and, you know, bringing in a lot of coaches from a lot of different places, you know, how do we, you know, make them feel like they're part of our family here, you know, without getting them on campus. I think that's been a struggle for us, but, you know, we've really tried to get creative with it. You know, we did a good job and, you know, we have a really good creative department on our on our athletic department here that's helped us out. So, you know, we've, we've been able to make some videos and send kids. We've been able to do a lot of Zoom calls. I know, you know, this Saturday for our or next Saturday for our Alabama game, we're uh, we're we're putting together a virtual game day visit for kids. So we've got, you know, we're basically going to do a mock game day visit like they they parked at the Manning Center at 12 p.m. and. You know, we don't play Alabama until five. So we're going to take them virtually around campus and around town and through our buildings and, you know, let them see what a game day is like here, um, even though they can't be here. Because like you mentioned, a lot of these, you know, 80 to 90 percent, if the if the numbers stay the same of these seniors, they're going to sign with the school without being able to visit here. You know, and so that's where, you know, it was interesting for us because, you know, we got our staff put together in January and, and made it through you know, January recruiting for that signing day. And then this year they made the whole month of February a dead period. So we couldn't have any of these seniors now, couldn't have them on campus in February. And we were back for one week in March before we went, got shut down due to COVID. So, I mean, we've had all of, you know, one week in January to have these kids on our campus. So, you know, I think we just have to get really aggressive with what we're doing, you know, virtually and things like that. Um, just to to kind of help kids get as comfortable as they can be with our campus. So you're not allowed to go evaluate the players in person, which is is severely bloat in in my mind because everybody wants to continue to look at the progression of the players that they're recruiting, whether they're commits or guys still on their board. How has that changed your? Um, your evaluations on film, does it change anything, how you look at film or how much you're looking at film of these players each week? How, how has that changed? Um, you know, it, it, it has changed it a little. I mean, yeah, I think, you know, when this first hit back in April and May, it was, you know, a lot of times, you know, every coach will say you'll watch guys and they'll be like, oh, I want to see them in person. You know, whether that's – and then we found out we weren't going to have spring ball. So, or, you know, we weren't going to be able to go to high schools in the spring. So then it turned into, okay, well, well, we'll see him in camp. You know, let's try and get him to a camp so we can work with him and really get to see how he works in person. And then it quickly found out, all right, we're not going to have camps. So now it's kind of like, okay, you know, luckily we've got a lot of coaches that have, that have been in the business for a while, so they've got a lot of good relationships with high school coaches in the area. So, you know, we're having to really rely on, you know, a lot of high school coaches and, hey, what is this kid like, you know, we can't work with them in person, but the high school coach has. What do they say about them? Um, and just kind of to take it from there, you know. Coach made a good point, you know, a couple months ago where it was like, you know, we're, we're going to sign a lot of kids this year that, that we've never seen in person play football. You know, we've never seen them play football in person. And, and I don't think that's a necessarily something that's unique to us. I think a lot of new staff are, you know, even some of the current staff we're having in this year, you know, ha have 
you're watching all the safety film or watching all the workouts and everything you can on the bridge, but at some point we are going to find these kids this year that you know played some volleyball just because you watched them play some volleyball. So if they have, they get used to your toughness, to your approach. You know, it's, it's definitely something for, for coaches that's a little new and uneasy for them, but I think it's something for both sides of the players and teams to play with some fear of who's really good and tough and seeing that kind of coordination from them and watching them as they play through it. Welcome back here. First, I'd like to give you a uh, sponsor of ours uh, that is a dear friend of mine and just a fantastic restaurant. I think there's no better on the square in Lenore's. Uh, Mike Pater's the guy that owns it there. Is, like I said, a good friend of mine, and they've done an outstanding job the last 10, 15 years here in Oxford. And if you, from uh, Wine Wednesday, to uh, two for Tuesday, the hamburgers are made out of not just regular ground beef, but it makes it off of the fillets, the cuts of the fillets, and he rounds them up into the best burger you'll have anywhere. And you get $7 on Tuesday. Wine Wednesday is half off of wine. Unbelievable night there. But just a, a great rebel, a great asset to the Oxford community, the restaurant, um, the best ribeye you'll find in North Mississippi. Would like to say thank you. To Lenore's. And now for part two with Alex Collins, the recruiting coordinator here at the University of Mississippi. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest about it. I've been doing, I guess this is my 23rd class uh, to cover, which tells you that I'm getting old, but this is probably one of the more weaker years in, in terms of depth uh, overall and high-end talent in the state of Mississippi. Obviously, you would have probably loved to come uh, to a situation where you've got 25, 35 guys that you really want out of the state. It makes it much easier for you, I would think, during a pandemic. And just kind of talk about those obstacles where, you know, not only are you coming from a different area, but maybe the, the state is a little bit low on numbers and having to branch out outside of Mississippi so far away. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know, I haven't been around this state, you know, long enough to really compare it historically, but I think one of the things that we struggle with that coach brought up is is not being able to have summer camps. And and I go back and look at all the kids that we signed last year. You know, I look at like, you know, I know Luke Schaus came down to two separate camps last year and, you know, came once as a D lineman and they had him come back to do O-line camp. And, you know, I look at like Austin Otis Keys and, you know, Kentrell Bullock, and I'm sure I'm missing some other kids, but I mean, I think historically, you know, here they've gotten a lot of their in-state kids through camps, not necessarily because kids yeah. had offers, but but they showed up to camp and, you know, in person blew us away. And, and you know, I think a lot of times Ole Miss is the first offer for a lot of those kids, you know, but they, they come from everywhere in the state and you get to see them in person. And we just we didn't have that this year. And, and you know, I can't sit here and tell you that that, you know, if that affected us or whatnot, but. I think we would have discovered, you know, whether they're seniors, juniors, whatever age, you know, not being able to have camps this summer, I think, prevented us from getting a lot of in-state kids here on our campus because um, that's the majority of kids that show up to our camps are, are in-state kids. 
So obviously I think that's just, you know, with all this COVID coronavirus stuff, I think it's just kind of, it's really thrown everything for a loop and there's a lot of, you know, unintended consequences of it that, that, you know, people are seeing and how it affects you in recruiting and things like that. So definitely think that was something that hurt us this year. So as you said, the difference in recruiting in the SEC and especially around Mississippi, I remember talking to Ed Orgeron about this when he got hired and he told me, man, he's like, yes, yeah, I love it. You know, I go to the beacon and everybody wants to know about Joe Blow, this recruit. I love talking recruit with all these people. When I was at Southern Cal, they never talked about that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I can imagine you going around town and everybody's talking recruiting and stuff like that. But I'm sure you also heard some fans go, Hey, Coach, hey, Alex, we're ranked 60th in recruiting. What's going on? You know, kind of a panic. Uh, you know, how how has that affected your recruiting strategy? Uh, it seems like y'all have stayed pat, patient with it and not worried about the rankings and going after your key guys. Obviously, over the last few days, we've seen that come to some fruition with some big-time commits. It's, like I always tell everybody, it's, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. So what what, what are your ideas on that And when fans come and they were talking to you about their worries about where Ole Miss was ranked in recruiting. Yeah, I mean, it, it you understand it, and like I said, it you you love the passion of the fans and the fact that they follow it and they care and they're paying attention. Um, but at the same time, you know, as our staff, we we can't get caught up in that per se. You know, we have our we have our own opinions and our own rankings on guys, and you know, we we know what we're looking for, and you know, we always we always you know that you know what's going on and you know we know what battles aren't over you know so you know sometimes all you see publicly is oh so and so committed but you know a lot of times there's there's stuff behind the scenes or you know kid there's a difference between you know this because you've been covering it for so long there's a there's a difference between you know kids that are committing and telling you don't contact me anymore i'm going to so-and-so school and then there's kids that commit and they commit to another school and they call you 10 minutes later to let you know that they're still open and they still want to come here. So, <laughs> I mean, you, you kind of, you got to take everything with a grain of salt and, you know, in, in like, like I said, to get go, I mean, the, the Lane Kiffin Ole Miss Rebels have played one game. So I think, you know, for a lot of kids, we're still showing kids what we're going to do here and what we're doing here. So I think, you know, as we start to show them more and more of what we're going to do here, I, th I think we're going to put some good things out there, and I think kids are going to get more and more excited about what we're doing here. So I would imagine with this pandemic, and as you said, I believe this was this was back in, I believe, in June when we did the research on it. At that time, 68% of the commitments to Power 5 schools had never visited the school they were committed to. As you said, those numbers are probably going to go up to, say, 80% before it's all said and done. Um, you know, with there being no visits through this early signing period. So have you seen a rise in the kids that are committed to a school? They commit, Joe Blow commits to Slippery Rock, but then, you know, 10 minutes later, as you say, he says, hey, I'm committed, but I still, I'm still interested in you. Are there more and more of those kids this year than there were in the previous classes? Um, I mean, I think there's just, there's a lot of reasons that kids commit and, and sometimes it's because they found the right school and they know they want to go there and they commit. And sometimes there's pressure or sometimes, you know, like we talked about, if, if, if 80 to 90% of kids are committing or two thirds of kids are going to be committed before the season starts, 
I think sometimes the kids that aren't committed kind of start to feel that pressure and they start to feel like, man, all my buddies are committing to other schools or, or I'm that, you know, X ranked receiver in the country and everyone ranked around me is committing to a school. What, you know, so I think sometimes, you know, there's a lot of different reasons that kids commit and not, they don't always commit because they're locked in and know a hundred percent that they want to go somewhere. Um, and then obviously too, you know, then, then we all start playing football games and all of a sudden it was like, man, I was really fired up to go to, you know, Joe Blow university and they're out there getting beat by 40 every week. And now I'm like, Hmm, is this really where I want to go? Or, you know, it sounds good that I want to go to school 14 hours away from home. Well, that sounded good back in February, but now it's October and it's getting closer. Do I still want to go that far away? Um, so, you know, things are always changing every day and, you know, there's, there's kids out there that are locked into a school and know it's where they want to go and, you know, they're going to stick with it. And then there's kids that are, you know, uncommitted, committed, and, but, you know, feelings change every day and every game that gets played changes opinions and every day that passes, every conversation sways people in different directions. So, you know, I think we're just trying to, you know, keep steady and keep strong and, at the end of the day, I always, you know, I always tell coaches, you know, the best thing we can do is keep putting a good product out there on the field. You know, come Saturdays, if we're winning football games, that's the best thing we can do in recruiting because it's, it's showing kids that what we've been saying for the last 10 months is, is true, and it's showing them that we, we've got a plan to be successful here. So winning, winning solves a lot of problems, I guess. It, yeah, it makes it, winning makes it real. I mean – Every high school kid is getting told by every coach that they're going to win tomorrow. And half of those coaches are liars. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, that's just, you wouldn't say. yeah, I mean, no, no, no coach is calling a kid tonight going, Hey man, we're just hoping to keep it close tomorrow. Like that's just not <laughs> happening. So, I mean, it, it's, it's the issue with, you know, any coaching staff or anytime you, you get somewhere, it's, you know, you're always going to tell kids, Hey, we're going to be great. We're going to be great. We're going to be great. But at some point, you got to start backing that up by doing great things on the field. So I think that's what's so important is, is you know, not just telling kids, but showing them that we know what we're doing here too. Well, let's head on to the 2021 class briefly here. The last couple classes, uh, they fell short, uh, particularly on the defensive line. And in the secondary, I believe they signed two D linemen, Last year, or I should say you guys signed two D linemen the year before they signed maybe two in that class when they were looking to sign five or six. So the numbers are down on the defensive line. The numbers are down in the secondary. I would imagine as a staff, those would be two of the glaring needs going into this class. I mean, yeah, I think we're trying to, you know, we're like every team. We're trying to upgrade every position and in trying to get, you know, you're always trying to get better across the board. Um, and then, you know, like we talked about with Corona and COVID, you know, throwing another loop in there, you know, another wrench in the plans of, of, of now all these seniors get an extra year and now every player gets an extra year. Um, but then, you know, we're at Ole Miss and now you've got, we're going to add the, the wrench onto the wrench of, well, the NFL still playing. I mean, they're, they're still going to draft 255 guys this year. So now you start to look at, okay, yes, you know, our seniors can stay, but now we're trying to figure out, well, which one of them will stay or which one of them are going to move on to the NFL or, you know, so it's just right now, I think it's just trying to figure out 
you know, it's one of those weird years. You know, usually every year I could sit here and tell yeah. you, I could sit and tell you every sure. single player that's going to be back for us next year. But that's know, right. At, at this point, you know, it's kind of one of those like we got to keep playing and, and figure out what's going to happen, and then and then you figure out. All right, if you know if these kids come back, you know, at a certain position, how many do we need to sign? Or, you know, cuz they're still going to graduate and move on at some point. So, you know, I think I think we're just we're just trying to upgrade across the board like every team is and in 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 five guys that want to come in, work hard and and help us help us keep growing this program here. How late in the process do you think it'll be before you know which seniors uh will come back? Um, you know, I think it, it depends on each kid. You know, I think, I mean, I think you kind of got three boats. I think you got the the boat of kids where it's kind of like this kid's probably gone. You know, it's like the the NFL is a he's going to get drafted. It's a serious opportunity for him. Um, we, you know, maybe the kid wants to come back, but this kid's probably gone. Sure. Um, and then you got kids that you know you talk to them and hey, we really think this kid's going to stay. And then I think you know, like a lot of teams. A lot of it's just going to depend on how kids play this year. You know, you know, if we got, you know, some yeah, senior receiver yeah. goes out and catches 16 touchdown passes and 1,200 yards, it doesn't sure. really matter if we thought at the beginning of the year that they were going to stick around. I mean, that kid's going to probably have opportunities to move on. So, you know, it's kind of just monitoring it. And, you know, luckily, you know, between, you know, you got, you got Coach Kiffin, you got, you know, Matt Lindsay, our GM, you got a couple other people here that, you know, have a lot of good connections to the NFL. I mean, I think that will help us a lot this year is just kind of knowing and being able to have an ear there of, hey, what are you guys thinking on these kids? Um, not only for our own roster plan, but so that we can give the best information to our players of, you know, I, you know, we'll, we'll be we'll tell a senior, hey, you should really move on. You're going to have a great opportunity this year or or tell a seniors, hey, we we think you should use this extra year to to stick around and improve some things and give yourself the best shot at the next level. So going into this recruiting class, uh, Lane said at signing day we'd have a full allotment. Uh, you know, you're 25, and then you know a couple holdovers, scholarships that we had. Um, so let's say that was 25, 27 going into pre-pandemic. And hypothetically, let's say you have five seniors that say, hey, I'll come back on and see if maybe I can improve my stop for the NFL. With that only then, it, let's say hypothetically, let's just say 25. You got your full allotment, 25. And then five players decide to come back. Would that only leave you 80? I mean, excuse me, 20 to sign in this class? No. So the seniors are just going to be uh, freestanding guys. So they don't count as initials that they stay and they won't count against your 85 overall limit. Wow. So it's basically, yeah, it's so basically you like. You technically it's a, it's, have 90, 92 scholarship players in 2021. Correct. Basically, it's a free scholarship player for your uh, seniors that have exhausted eligibility. Wow. I did not know that. Um, so in this class, uh, just kind of what are some of the goals, some things you'd like to achieve in this class in general in 2021? You know, I think just. I think the big thing for us is is just finding guys that really fit what we're trying to do. You know, anytime you're a new staff and, you know, you're, you're always trying to do things a little differently than the old staff was just schematically. So, you know, it's, it's, it's trying to find guys that really fit what we want to do on offense and defense. So, 
You know, I know like for Coach Lebby, I mean, you know, you remember his offenses at, at Baylor and UCF, they had big, long receivers that could, you know, run for days on end. So that's what we're trying to, you know, get with that position is find guys that really fit our blueprint and fit what we want to do here um, on both sides of the ball. So I think that's just what we're trying to do is, you know, and having a strong vision from both coordinators and the head coach of what do we want at each position? What do we want schematically? And, and finding the guys that not only fit that, but also fit what we want, you know, character and all that wise. So that's just what we're working on right now is, is always digging and always looking around and, and finding the guys that really fit what we want. Coach, you brought in a couple new positions here at Ole Miss on the defensive side called the star position and the butt position. Um, the star position is more like a, a nickelback, I would say, and a buck. Uh, I don't know what you would describe it. A Lawrence Taylor type position is what I call it. Just kind of describe what the responsibilities are of those two positions and and what, what your recruiting, you know, the ideal recruiting traits that you need for those positions. I, I guess start with star. Man, you're putting me on the spot here. I I, got, I should have talked with Durkin before I came on here. If I would have known, I was getting this. He would have given what, me what, all the answers. What, a, a star, a star in, in my eyes is someone like the old old Husky in the old Miss uh, four two five. Somebody that could cover the slots, uh, uh, help and run support. So, what what physical attributes are you looking for in a star? Whenever you recruit a star, that's exactly that's a good way to describe it. You're, I mean, you're really looking for something. You're really looking for like a freak athlete safety is kind of the best way to describe it. I've always described it as, you know, going to USC, uh, Southern Cal, because I forget down here, USC, South Carolina, but uh, <laughs> like, like a Taylor Mays. You know, I always think of Taylor Mays yeah. being, what, 6'4", 240, um, but, you know, a, a safety that's, you know, athletic enough to cover, athletic enough to play in space like that but also is unafraid to come down and, you know, blitz the quarterback, you know, has the athletic ability to, to blitz from different areas and different angles and, you know, not, not afraid to put his head in contact and, you know, we'll take on O-linemen, we'll, we'll hit a quarterback, tackle a running back. So, um, you know, it's just someone with, with how Durkin, you know, Coach Durkin uses his defense, you know, it, it's someone that, that he wants to put in positions to make a lot of plays you know, in the run game and, last, and the pass coverage and, you know, and getting after the quarterback. And lastly, the, the, the buck, what, what are you looking for in a buck? I mean, the, the buck is, is, is kind of that, that traditional stand-up D end, um, you know, a little, you know, halfway between an outside linebacker and a D end. Um, but, you know, so many defenses now, and we had the same similar thing at uh, FAU and as, as we do here of, you know, you're not a lot of teams are traditional three down or four down fronts. You know, they're going to say that every, every D coordinator will say that they're a mix of both. So that buck is kind of that person that can put their hand down and be a, a four, four, three D end, um, but also can, can stand up and, you know, be, be an edge rusher, um, you know, be someone that can, you know, we're not going to ask them usually to, to cover man to man, but someone that can, you know, cover the curl flat or, you know, go shallow and, and play in space. But but really the main thing for them too is get being able to get after the quarterback. I mean, we want that to be our, our best pass rusher right there. Well, Coach, I really, really appreciate your time. Uh, good luck this Saturday, and thank you again. And I, I appreciate uh, you taking the time to kind of describe everything that's going on with Ole Miss recruiting. 
and hotty toddy. Hotty toddy. I appreciate it. Welcome back to Red and Blue Chips. Man, it's so nice to hear Beanland. So many great memories who I consider the best band to ever come out of Oxford, Mississippi with JoJo and Bill and George. Grew up with George in Pittsburgh. Uh, good friend of the family. Great American hero as far as I'm concerned. But I'd like to do one more advertisement here for another special place of mine is High Cotton Wine and Spirits, located behind the famous Rebel Rags. It has the largest wine selection in the north half of the state of Mississippi. If you like specialty wines from Spain to Portugal to you name it, um, any area of the country, there's no other wine selection like High Cotton Wine and Spirits. As for Aaron Harrington, guy that came over uh, to Oxford a few years back and started the store. He's done an outstanding job. They do a great job of their personal staff rating the wines for the people that aren't novice wine drinkers. Uh, just a, a great place to go, located right behind Rebel Rags. Welcome back to Red and Blue Chips. I'm Yancey Porter. That is uh, – a lot of interesting perspective from Alex uh, about what is going on with Ole Miss recruiting. I thought one thing that really caught my ear is that these players, uh, everybody gets a free year this year. So that means if you're a senior, you can come back and be a senior again next year. There is no red shirting. It's free no matter what year you are. But not only that, if you're a senior and you come back, you come back you don't count against the 25 against initial grants for this 2021 class, nor do you count against the 85. So let's say you have seven, 10 seniors that come back next year. Ole Miss will still have their 25 from this year. And then the three they held on, from, excuse me, they're down to two from the 2020 class. So they'll get to sign a total of 27 players and they get to have back all, a full 85 plus those seniors. So, Definitely will help for schools like Ole Miss that are looking for more depth. Um, I thought that was an interesting point. Uh, a lot of great points that he makes. Uh, you know, this interview was done right before Ole Miss played Kentucky. And he went on and on about what winning means and how there are no moral victories or your offense did good or this. He said it's all about winning. And – what of uh, how ironic uh, the next day I actually uh, conducted this interview the day before he left over there to Kentucky. So uh, just a big win by Ole Miss. I know it's kind of galvanized the Ole Miss fan base, really energized that everybody's excited. Everybody knows what's on the hand with Alabama this weekend. If they play it Saturday, it could be Friday or Sunday or later this year. But as Lane said, they're still trying to get it off on Saturday. I think, uh, you know, it's going to be tough for Ole Miss. You just look for them to get some positives, winning the game. They would have to have a whole lot go their way. Um, I could easily say it would be the biggest upset of my lifetime if Ole Miss were to win Saturday. But then they got a shot to get right back on track against Arkansas, get to 2-2, two and two, 
and, you know, continue to win, continue to show these recruits that they're going to fight to the end. I continue to hear from them uh, when I talk to the recruits about no matter the score, Ole Miss is fighting hard. And the recruits see that. You know, they see when players start letting down. And right now they see these players going all out all the way through the game, no matter the score. And I think that impresses them. And I think it impresses any offensive player when you see the brilliant play call and the brilliant organization that they have on offense. Matt Corral, just an unbelievable, accurate uh, – I don't know if I've seen a player do uh, a 180, so to speak, as quickly as Matt Corral has in this past six, nine months uh, where he was – seeing the field to where he is now is night and day. Just a credit to him and a credit to the staff. Uh, I think, uh, I think you know, you, you just hope to not get many injuries, play a competitive game, and take away some things that you can really carry forward to that Arkansas game. And we're going to end it at that. And we will be back next week, hopefully, talking about a W. If not, that's okay. Uh, you know, we're going to – Go over a little bit more with recruits. This season we're going to have a lot of the recruits uh, weekly on the show. We're going to have their coaches on the show. We're going to have some parents on the show. As always, Red and Blue Chips is going to be heavily tilted towards recruiting information, but we will go over the on-campus things that are going on with Ole Miss and go over the games. But One last time, thank you again, and hotty toddy.